Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. Now, we know a little bit about how diamonds form from watching the classic Richard Donner Superman movies in which Superman crushes a piece of coal and makes a diamond. So it has something to do with pressure and something to do with carbon. But beyond that, what do we know about diamonds? Where do they form and how can we get some for ourselves? Well, Associate Professor of Geology at Trinity College Dublin, Emma Tomlinson, uh, has done a really interesting uh, study on some very special rocks in association with Queensland University of Technology. Um, welcome to the programme, Emma. So let's start off from the very beginning. Like, Where do diamonds come from? All right. Well, firstly, thank you for the invitation today. So I guess to answer that, we need to think about where diamonds are stable. And you, you touched on some of that with the, the reference to pressure. So diamonds are stable at high pressure and low temperature. Now, Sorry, even, even before we get the first sentence has me asking questions. Okay. What do you mean stable? I thought all, all, I mean, like diamond is the hardest substance that we know, is it not? How, how can it be unstable? Well, diamond is a very dense structure, so it's only stable under high pressures. As, as the pressure decreases, there is less sort of confining pressure and that diamond is then going to revert to a different form, which is graphite, as okay. we see. So diamonds are only stable at, at high pressure and then also at low temperature. Now, pressure increases with depth in the mantle. But for any given pressure, the lowest temperatures are found in the in the lithospheric mantle um, below the oldest parts of the continents. And these are what we term cratons. And they're Archean in age, they're three and a half to two and a half billion years old. So um, we have on top, we've got the crust. Mm-hmm. Underneath that, there's a mantle and there's various sort of zones in that mantle, right? I know yeah. this because my son's doing an, a project <laughs> on earthquakes at the moment. And so I'm learning a lot about um, the earth. And so there's different uh, types of uh, layers on that mantle. Where do we find diamonds? So we're finding diamonds in the lithosphere. The lithosphere is, is a bit of the mantle that has been depleted. And all that means is it's it's undergone partial melting and that melt has been removed up to the surface to form that crust. So the lithosphere is the mantle that's left behind, the minerals that didn't melt. Right. And it's that bit of the mantle that is where we find diamonds. And the reason we find them there is it's cooler there. The reason it's cooler there is because that melting process removes all the heat-producing elements, the uranium, thorium, potassium, up to the surface. Okay, and so these diamonds, once they're exposed, once they're they're mined, for example, presumably that pressure is gone. How do they? When you say that they're only stable at certain pressures, what what do you mean by that? Like a diamond on a ring stays okay as a diamond forever. Yes. So. That, that that lithosphere that we find extends to around 250 kilometres of depth. And diamonds are actually only stable in the bottom half of that. So below 120 kilometres depth. Any diamond shallower than that is out of its stability. Field. Do we mine that low? Or? We don't mine that, no. So diamonds are actually brought to the surface by volcanic eruptions. Okay. By a particular type of volcano called a kimberlite, which forms right at the base of that lithosphere. And then it travels up through the lithosphere and erupts at the surface. But as it travels through, it picks up the diamonds. And it also picks up samples of the mantle, rips them off the wall and transports them to the surface. Cool. So what we mine is those kimberlites. Okay. So to find diamonds, we need to look for kimberlites that have erupted through that Archean age lithosphere. Right. It's almost like sediment um, that a river carries along um, to, to the sea in a way. I, I guess so, yes. You, we're not finding them exactly where they were formed. They've been transported. They're not in situ. Right. And so... Um, they, uh, there's a huge amount of pressure uh, and at low temperatures, and that's how these diamonds form, we, yes. we think. How do we know if we can't mine down that low? Okay. <laughs> so one of the principal reasons we know is that people have conducted high-pressure experiments. So they've taken very small capsules of material and, ex- and put those under extreme pressures. 
I think I've seen YouTube videos. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And actually the very first experiments of these are quite interesting if you read about them because they were quite dangerous to get the, these presses to such high pressures. We're talking about five gigapascals of pressure. So an enormous amount of pressure. That sounds like a lot. Um, uh, and if, if we were to take a piece of coal like Superman did mm-hmm. um, and we put five gigapascals of pressure, whatever that means, do we get a diamond? Uh, yes, you do. Oh, and really? these experiments, well, the very first experiments, it's thought that the the individual doing them, his lab team was so concerned that the experiments were dangerous that they actually doped the sample with diamonds beforehand because they wanted him to just stop. Oh, really? Um, no but, way. But since that time, um, people have made diamonds out of all sorts of things. So I think famously, the, the Russians have made them out of vodka and the Americans have made them out of peanut butter. And I think the British have I'm made sorry, them what? out of toast. Anything with carbon in it can be put under pressure to form diamond. But you need a lot of toast, you would imagine, you to, would need crush a into, toast. To, to crush into yeah. this. So, but, but anything that has carbon, but surely that's not a pure diamond. And, and I know a little bit about diamonds because I was fleeced by the jeweler <laughs> when I bought my wife's engagement ring. And I was, I was given the spiel about cut, clarity and whatever mm-hmm. it is, colour. Um, presumably, uh, a diamond made of peanut butter is not going to be crystal clear like a diamond made of, I don't know, pure carbon, like graphite or, or, or coal. Well, it's true that, that, that diamonds themselves are, are pretty pure. They contain very few impurities. And that's one of the problems with, with studying them from a, a research point of view is they contain very few clues as to how they formed. So any impurities like that will either form little inclusions within the diamond. And in fact, we get inclusions of the mantle minerals within diamonds. And that's one of the things we study. Right. Or they're they would be present outside the diamond in, in the broader mantle area. Right. And so uh, you have a piece of... This is from the Kimberley Mine. Is there a piece of rock from the yeah. Kimberley Mine? So the Kimberley Mine, tell me a little bit about that and what you are studying this piece of rock for. Okay. So, Not rock for, that's <laughs> cheese. <laughs> well, most of the samples that we study have come from Kimberley, which is one of these kimberlite pipes. It's actually the one for which the rock kimberlite was named because it was one of the first places where diamonds were, were recovered. Um, it's not actually active anymore, but essentially the... the this, this carrot-shaped volcanic pipe that is exposed to the surface and they have mined all the way down yeah. and taken the diamonds out. Um, it's no longer active, yes. But it's, it's in Kimberley in, in South Africa, which is part of the Capval Craton, which is one of these old Archean areas of crust. Okay, can and, I have a look at this? Yes, yeah. Okay, so it looks kind of like a marble floor on top because well, it's it, polished. That's been polished. So yeah. what you see in there is, is rocks of the mantle are mostly green. The, the majority of the minerals are green. We have olivine, which you might know green. as peridot. Really? On the outside. <laughs> On the outside. Yeah. I thought that was mold. Because like, you said it was really yeah. old and I thought maybe, so the, maybe it's mold. The this is actual will, mineral. That is, is actual mineral. The, um, the, the reason it looks a little bit like mold is the olivine has been altered by a, to a different mineral called serpentine, which is caused by reaction between that rock and the kimberlite as it's brought to the surface. Uh, okay. And so what's so special about this rock and why is it, I mean, obviously, um, it's a, it, to, to explain it to people, if you were, um, if you were upset at the colour of your your marble floor and you decided to smash it with a rock uh, to replace it um, then one of these chunks it would look a lot like that <laughs> and we'll tweet a picture of it as well which might make it more easy for you to uh, to understand rather than me blabbing about it but um it has lots of sort of features to it that you might help me understand what what is what can we learn from looking at a piece of rock like this okay so the the three main things in here are um this this Pale green, well, there's medium green here, which is orthoproxene, which is a common mantle mineral. If you look closely, you can see these little purple garnets, and they're the things that we're really interested in for this study. 
And then the, the last main mineral in here is the olivine, but most of this has been replaced by the serpentine. Okay. But it's this garnet that's of key interest to this study. So the garnet that we find from this part of the mantle is really rich in chromium. And that is hugely useful because it is used as an indicator mineral for diamond exploration. Diamonds right. are hard to find. These garnets are more common. So what they do is they go and look for kimberlites with this garnet, or they look in stream settings for, for alluvial garnets that have come from these kimberlites. So this, this garnet is a, an indicator mineral. Right. It's sort of a, a red flag if you're looking for, for diamonds. Now, what's to say there isn't a diamond inside that rock? If I were to get a hammer to it, how do you know there isn't a diamond inside? It, it's, it's possible there is a diamond inside. Most of the diamonds that we find are not found within the xenoliths. They're found loose within the kimberlite. But right, there okay. are xenoliths that have diamonds What's a xenolist? The xenolith is what we give the name to these, these rocks that have been ripped up and brought to the surface by, by the kimberlite. And all it means is it's a rock that's not in its original place. So it's a rock a that's been moved. Yes, but that's these have been moved from the mantle it, to the surface. <laughs> um, and so tell me about your study and what, what it taught you about how diamonds form. So what's interesting is that even in areas where we have kimberlites and they are in Archean cratons, so the places where we expect them to tap this diamond-forming region, diamonds are still rare. Lots of kimberlites don't contain them at all and some don't contain very many. So most of the diamonds actually come from a relatively small number of kimberlites. And the traditional interpretation of this has always been that the diamonds were once common and that they've that they formed throughout that Archean lithosphere, but they've since been destroyed. They've been destroyed by reaction with oxidizing magmas. So the, those oxidizing magmas would have converted the carbon in the diamond to um, CO2 or carbonate. Right, okay. And so the, the traditional interpretation is a lot of these diamonds have been destroyed. But our research suggests that these diamonds may in fact have always been rare. And the reason we think they were always rare is because the conditions in which they formed were rare, even back then. Right. Okay. And so, what do I? What do you need to to form a diamond? You need high pressure, you need low temperature, and and you need the presence of certain minerals. You need the presence of carbon, but essentially, you need reducing conditions to ensure that carbon is present as diamond. It's it's just native carbon on its own. If there's no oxygen, spare oxygen present, then any carbon is just going to be present as carbon, diamond. Okay. Or so it needs to be. So you need to have pressure. It needs to be low temperature. You need to have carbon without oxygen. Yes, essentially, right. And as soon as you have spare oxygen, that carbon is going to convert to CO two. Right. How do we make synthetic diamonds? Um, to make synthetic diamonds, we do something very similar to what the mantle does. So you would take carbon, and you would put it in a multi-anvil press. So essentially, you take a, a press that gives a, t a pressure of maybe one or two tons. You have a very small sample chamber, and then you have what are called the anvils, which are essentially act like a stiletto. So they take the pressure of a large area, they focus it on a tiny area, and that's how we build up these huge pressures. You do that from all angles, and so you can take this, these little cells to, to fairly high pressures, actually to much higher than the diamond stability field, to around about 20 gigapascals, which is 600 kilometres depth in the oh, mantle. So okay. hugely deep, wow. but you only get a tiny, tiny amount. Uh, so generally they'd put a seed in and the reason they do that is if you don't have a seed then what happens is like lots a, of tiny diamonds will form and right. not one big one if you want one big one what you do like is a you seed put, crystal sort of yeah, idea you put, okay. what, exactly it's a they, seed they, crystal the, those home chemistry kits sometimes yes. you get a seed you get a seed crystal and then the crystals grow out from it so they would use a seed crystal and then how would they how would they grow it to like how do you grow into a, a bigger diamond so Essentially, exactly the same idea is that there's that seed crystal. Once the you take it up to, to 
high pressure, so the diamond will form. You add some temperature to make it possible for elements to diffuse faster, and the carbon that you've put in that cell is going to diffuse to the, the diamond. It's much easier for a mineral to grow on an existing mineral than it is to grow a new mineral. Right. And that's um, why it gets bigger. And then my, my last question for you is about how we make them so pretty because obviously <laughs> diamonds don't come out like um, solitaires every time. How do we shape diamonds or cut diamonds so that they look the way they do? If, it's, if diamond is the, the strongest material that we know, how do you cut a diamond? More diamonds. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. So a lot of your the really sharp um, tools that you use for diamond cutting and also for industrial applications, the blades will be coated with very fine diamonds. Right. I see. Okay. Is that worth anything? Because like you're, it's three billion years old. I mean, it's obviously worth something to you because you've been working on it. But is it of any actual monetary worth? Um, other than the the cost it takes to to sample it and bring it here. No, this this probably has very little monetary worth, but it has a huge amount of. of value for me because although this work was about trying to understand where diamonds form and how we can identify those mantle regions there, there is a much bigger question because the, the places that these diamonds form in the lithosphere are the Archean lithosphere and this the formation of that lithosphere is a really key event in earth history it's the moment that the time that that forms is the moment when we go from having a planet which is basically just got a basalt crust and an ocean and it's pockmarked by impacts and that's it to what we have today where we have um, this modern planet with oceans and continents. Wow. It's those continents that are associated with the lithosphere, but it's also those continents that, that allow for the development of, of complex and abundant life. So this is a really key period in Earth history. So understanding how the lithosphere formed, and this sample in particular, has a lot of clues as to, to how the Earth became how it is. Really interesting. Thank you so much for joining us and bringing in um, your rock. Uh, as his Associate Professor of Geology at Trinity College Dublin, Emma Tomlinson, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Future Proof with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland. Sunday morning at 10 on News Talk.